Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip. I received a really interesting uh, email from a listener uh, this past week, and and bear with me, it's kind of a a long email, but it's necessary to get the flow of what what they're dealing with. This is from a pastor, and he says this, this past week, I had an interesting conversation that I would love to hear your wisdom about. This past Sunday, we had our worship gathering in the morning, like usual, followed by a special day of fasting as we prayed for the health of our church. We gathered Sunday evening for a special Sunday evening worship gathering, which we usually don't have, and we gathered around the Lord's table together. We then enjoyed a large Thanksgiving feast, but immediately upon walking into the feast, I was ambushed by one of our older ladies in the church. This lady, uh, I'm going to change her name because I don't know if he's changed her name or not, but we're going to call her uh, Elsie. Elsie told me that she needed to talk to me. Apparently, one of our members, a single mom who has many piercings and tattoos and five children out of wedlock, does not make her children behave, quotes around that, during worship. Ironically, this believer grew up in the church but went away in her teenage years like many do. When I met her, she was a recovering drug and sex addict, but after many months, the Lord graciously saved her. Her five daughters are extremely sweet, but very rambunctious. Jody, the single mom, is definitely rough around the edges, but her heart is constantly changing. In fact, Sunday, she arrived with five other members from our church after two weeks in Southeast Asia working with unreached people groups. Miss Elsie caught me completely off guard, and though I never yelled, of course, I definitely was pointed in my response. I reminded her that we'd been walking through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings, so I asked her to think about the people Jesus was around. She then told me that she sure hoped her pastor would never let his children behave like Jody's children do. She told me I needed to, quote, put one of the deacons on her, end quote, which, of course, drew me into response, asking her where the Scripture develops the role of deacon as enforcer for bad children. But before the conversation was over, I assured Miss Elsie that I love her and I understand where she's coming from because we want her to enjoy corporate worship. However, I was very clear that these children are unbelievers and we probably shouldn't expect them to behave like followers of Jesus. I tried to reason with her from the Scripture, but I feel that she thought I was thumping her with the Bible. So I just talked to her about the body of Christ, something we had just talked about at the Lord's table 30 minutes prior to our conversation. Uh, When I arrived at my church, we had more senior adults than any other demographic. But now, after three and a half years, we have a lot of young families with young children. Some of our elderly people love the growth, but they don't like the new energy direction toward international missions or, or the other concerns that come from this demographic. How would you advise me to lead with gospel courage and respect when we have people like Miss Elsie here? That is a really good question. And, and I think the, the reason this is a good question is because it can apply to virtually any church that is doing anything for the gospel. Now, sometimes uh, the situation that you see is 
sort of the stereotype that you see here, an elderly person who has a problem with a young new believer. But that's not always the case. I've seen many churches where the the sort of attitude that you see here from elderly Miss Elsie is being demonstrated by a a 20-something who doesn't like the changes that are coming with these new believers or coming with these lost people who are coming into the church. It transcends age. It has more to do with an attitude of the Spirit than with anything else. And here's what I would say to you. What I would say to you is, I think what this pastor would like for me to have is a way that he can address the situation in a way that's going to quell the controversy and is going to allow Miss Elsie to be perfectly happy and Jody and her children to be perfectly happy. That is probably not going to be the case. I mean, criticism comes when something is happening. Uh, Jesus, when he is moving forward with the gospel, when people start to see changes taking place, that's when they start to uh, become critical. And that's not only the case from the outside, kind of from the unbelievers, but also from within the inside. Uh, Jesus has this with his own disciples. We see this taking place within the new churches as they're being uh, formed in the book of Acts. When, When something is happening, when the gospel is on the move, then there are going to be some problems and some growing pains that are going to come with that. I mean, think of Acts 6 and the, the, the problems with the Greek widows who, who feel as though they're not being attended to and they're not being cared for, like the, the Jewish Christian uh, widows within the congregation. That, that is going to happen. I think what you as a pastor need to do is to be the kind of person who cares enough for unbelievers and for new believers that you're willing to take some criticism from long-established believers who don't want to see uh, a disruption in their routine. Be willing to take that sort of criticism. And I think in this case, what you have is someone who is a new believer. She has five children out of wedlock. She, She has here a situation not only where she probably doesn't have a long-term pattern of knowing how to have her children sit through a, a worship service. But she probably also is somebody who is dealing with some, some very real needs as a single mom with five children out of wedlock. I think what you should be wanting to do is, first of all, to protect Jody and her kids from a sense that they are a point of controversy. If they find out that they are a problem for some people in the church, that it just would be very easy for them to be pushed away from the church and and from the, the ministry of the church. Protect them from that as much as possible. I mean, that that's a pretty good principle generally. I remember when I was a, a young minister and I went to preach for one of my mentors, I was preaching in his church, and I had no idea that it was controversial that I was preaching from a translation other than the King James Version. Apparently, had some KJV-only uh, folks in the congregation, and he protected me from knowing that I was a point of controversy, even though if I had known that there were people upset uh, about that, I would have just 
just preach from the KJV. I don't have a problem with doing that. Uh, but it wasn't until I had already finished the series that I had done there that I heard someone come up and say, um, you know, I I uh, enjoyed your your time here, and and don't even worry about those people who are upset about the Bible that you were using. And I could see my mentor kind of flinch. And I found out later he was taking criticism because I was preaching from something other than the KJV, but he was dealing with that, and he didn't let me know because he didn't want to throw me off uh, in terms of my ministry by telling me that I was a point of, of controversy. He said, he's going to take those slings and arrows. And I was somebody who was a believer, and an established believer, and a, and a minister, much less somebody who is in this vulnerable situation of a new sister in Christ who's dealing with a difficult situation with their children. So I would say, first of all, if you've got a situation of children that are you, you say here rambunctious. It doesn't sound like there's something happening here that is disruptive of the entire service. I mean, it doesn't sound like you have hymnals being thrown. It doesn't sound like you've got profanities being screamed or something. You just have kids who are uh, kind of rambunctious and wild in the, in the service. I think what you ought to do, first of all, is spend some time teaching and preaching within the church about what it means not to have everything together and about why we as the church need to be able to bear with one another uh, when we don't have everything together because Galatians 6, all of us have weak points and all of us have strong points and the strong need to bear up the weak in their weak points. And, and, and that's what the body of Christ is about. And so I would take this as an opportunity to gently sort of try to lead Miss Elsie to say, can you imagine what it would be like to have five children, no husband, no father involved, and you're trying to figure out how to raise them when you're a brand new believer in Jesus Christ? Can you imagine what that would be like? What we need are all sorts of friendships for Jody within the congregation, and we need to try to figure out what uh, sorts of, of areas of support does Jody need. You want to communicate that, first of all. How can I serve? How can I, Miss Elsie, serve this new sister in Christ? Secondly, to give her a sense of, uh, of what it means to see these children as a mission field, not as a problem. I mean, that, that's really what this comes down to is that you have the, the sense of Miss Elsie is thinking, um, I like my worship service the way that I have my worship service, and I don't want anybody messing that up for me. And conversely, as the pastor, you could have the temptation to say, I don't really want to deal with this controversy. I just want things back the way that they were so that I can go about doing what it is that, that I do. Both of those situations have a sense of self at the center of them. You want to turn that around and to say, how can we see these children as made in the image of God, as those who who need to hear the gospel and who are going to get a sense of what the gospel is about on the basis of these formative years within the church? Is their sense of the people of God going to be, these are the people who were turning around and giving me glares because of the way that I was acting when I was four or five years old? Or is this the kind of community that was willing to bear with me because they loved me enough to know that I needed good news? 
Were they a good news people who embodied that even in the way that they were able to shrug off some behavior that might not have been exactly what, what they would have prescribed? I think that's a really important question. And I think just pointing that out and saying, look, we want to be the place where people who don't have everything together are going to be, because whether people have it all together externally or not, we know we don't have it all together internally. And so if we say to people, in order to be here, you need to pretend like you have it all together, then you're going to end up with a kind of congregation that doesn't really experience or model the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just get us to conform to behavioral patterns. Gospel of Jesus Christ prompts us to say, I'm somebody who's been received into this family, and I'm not only somebody gifted to serve the rest of this body and this family, but I'm somebody who is in need of the rest of the body of Christ. I have areas in my life where I need the rest of the body of Christ to to help disciple me, to help pour into me. All of us have that, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, regardless of what all you have going on on the outside. You want to send that signal throughout the church. That is not only okay, that is what this church is for. That's what this church is about. Sometimes that'll take a long time. And sometimes you've got to remind yourself and remind the congregation over and over and over again, this is what our church exists for. This is the sort of thing that we, that we need to have happen uh, in our church and in our body. And a perfectly choreographed worship service can be something that makes us feel pleasant and can be completely obnoxious to God if that worship service is saying to those, those lost sheep, we don't care about you. We just care about the 99. I think that's something to teach, preach, disciple, uh, spend time working with your your small group leaders in helping people to see and expect that you're going to have some criticism when you do that. That just means that you're doing something with the gospel itself. This is Russell Moore. And you're listening to Signposts.